Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Isn't it nice to have predictability? Yes, it really is. Even yes, indeed. on a whole other coast, in a whole other area. Yes, it uh, completely different time zones. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, here it is. Yeah, Cloudlandia. Yeah, here we are, Cloudlandia. Welcome, welcome to Cloudlandia. Yeah, how was so, your uh, journey? Well, it was great. We were in Carlsbad. We are in Carlsbad, oh. which is up the coast a little bit from San. Very San familiar with Carlsbad. <clears throat> Yeah. And yeah, we had a very fascinating evening on Wednesday night and all day Thursday with a Dr. Todd. He's got a longer last name, but he just calls himself Dr. Dr. Todd. And he's, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, made a fundamental breakthrough in age reversal. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Richard Rossi put us Put him on, to, uh, put us on to him, and that's fascinating. I won't go in great detail, but you know, so, and uh, you know, it's kind of he discovered. I'm just telling you what the thesis is here. Yeah, uh-huh. that he discovered a fundamental kind of like a stem cell, a very, okay. very, very small stem cell, and they're called V cells, very small stem cells, and <clears throat> it looks like they are present during pregnancy but when the baby's born these stems these little little bits of something they actually kind of go to sleep okay. and they're kind of, and they're kind of impervious to anything around them and he is a from childhood a fanatic about lasers and he you know he creates his own lasers and he can create them with different wavelengths and everything else and he found a wavelength that wakes them up and and what they do is they revitalize everything so taking your blood and then getting rid of the plasma part of the blood so it's just Mm -hmm. a thin red liquid he then puts the laser through it for a number of minutes he's got a set time and this wakes them all up and then they inject them back in to you and they go all through your body and then with the laser and then with the laser he picks certain areas where you have pain or inflammation and uh, they cluster there and you have to do it within 25 minutes after Uh the IV injection and and according to him that will reverse age by three years. Wow, that's amazing. On in yeah. your in joints or in any like functional age, I guess is what you're talking about. Yeah. No, overall oh. age. Wow, that's overall amazing. Age. In other words, measured against someone, yeah. you know, they they have to measure <clears throat> they do it through blood tests. Um. <clears throat> so so this is the this is what this part of the trip was for. And last night we had a wonderful evening out with Paul Abel, mm-hmm. who lives not too far from here. And this afternoon we're visiting with Mike Koenigs and tonight. <clears throat> so and then we're off to Tucson and Canyon Ranch on Monday. What a life! 
This is great. You're out what, in the what are likes? You're out in the mainland. Likes, you know? Out in the mainland. Yeah. Yeah. Meeting and greeting yeah. and the like. Yeah. Doing mainland things. I just, Touching um, people and, and no. But new, but new mainland things. So, yeah. so anyway, you know, I've done all the looking at videos of people who have, you know, different theories about can, can age re- be reversed. And the, and the interesting thing is that the one who is sort of considered furthest ahead with this is Dr. Sinclair from Harvard, David Sinclair. Uh-huh. And you may have come across him through it, through it, but he spoke at Abundance 360, and then he was the first person to speak to us on our trip mm-hmm. to Boston and New York in August on the trip where many scientists and doctors came in and you know showed various aspects. They were working on various things, a lot of it specific to particular diseases and Anyway, but Dr. Sinclair is the uh, one who is, you know, is reported to be further ahead than anyone else with this in the strictly medical world, you know, as it exists in a major university like Harvard. Well, he and Dr. Todd have teamed up. The the two of them have teamed up. Oh, wow. Dr. Todd, on this end, is going to design tests, and Dr. Sinclair is going to use his lab and his graduate students and at uh, Harvard to test out the tests. Oh, this is awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah. That sounds so, fun. And yeah. it's nice to get to see Mike and Vivian. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. How long have you been, uh, how long have you been going to Kenyon Ranch? Now, too, that's 30, 32, 32 years. I think this wow. is our 55th trip, I think. Wow. 50, 55 trips. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's aging. You mentioned that last time. Uh, you were there. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. They're not. Is the next generation not really taking the ball? Well, they sold oh, okay. two years ago, two three years ago, and you know, a, a big corporation, big big corporation out of Texas now, and it's, you know, the person who bought it is in the billionaire category, and yeah. um, it was a place he liked going to, going to, and then right. he bought it, and uh, but now nice there's place. no visionary you know, nice place. Yeah, you know, now there's and, no visionary uh, founder. Yeah. Well, they kind of created the luxury spa industry in the United mm. States. And I mean, they, they've had this for centuries in Europe and other yeah. places. You know, there's been <clears throat> right. a, a, Asia and places like that. They've had, you know, luxury in relationship to those societies. But they started in the 70s, I think, 70, 76 or 77. And we, Kind of came on board in 1990, I think 1990. So we were there, and they had gotten off over their rough beginnings because they it was a dude ranch, you know, a, a dude ranch that had mm-hmm. failed, and they took over the dude ranch, and they still they weren't quite sure uh, what the model was for the first ten years, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of Spartan that they they didn't. They fed you not a lot and things that you didn't necessarily like, and that was supposed okay, to be good right. for you. Good yeah, for you. Yeah. 
Yes. But you'll do it once and you won't come back. So they yeah. decided to, to actually treat people better and, uh, you know, and <laughs> give them food they actually like in this as much as they wanted to. And that, that's, and we hit them right about that point, you know. Uh-huh. And yeah, but it really was it looking back, it's really the crossover point where Babs and I really got serious about health and mm-hmm. fitness. Our, our trips there, we had they had good doctors, they had good testing. <clears throat> so it's one of the, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the difference makers on the trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all. What awesome. about yourself? What's been going on? Well, Dan, I I'm almost have to tell you. Well, I, I on cla- somewhere mainland, mainland, yeah, on the mainland. But you've been doing dead, other things. It's the dead of winter here in Florida. I, I had to wear yeah, pant, I had to wear pants today. It's only got up to yeah. fifty-two degrees, and we've had about ten days of cold, like fifties weather, and it's going to get back up into the seventies this week but it's been a long 10-day winter so far yeah. did you yeah. notice do you notice that 50 degrees in florida is a lot colder than 50 degrees Absolutely. in toronto well i'm you know as you know i'm 22 years into a snow-free millennium right now and that's yeah. uh, you know the only time of course that i made any adjustment or any risk of snow was for you to come to yeah. either Toronto or Chicago. So for since you started the you know ten times program mm-hmm. and I was in mm-hmm. group number one, that was the only you know I had a perfect snow free record up until then. Up and, until uh, then. Yeah. It's only been twice that that it's actually snowed while I was there. But I made all the yeah. rules that as long as it doesn't touch me, that's fine. I can uh, yeah. get away with it. I let it, I made I make the rules, so I say it's still. Cute. We had a, just the week before we were leaving. We had the the most remarkable real snow. Like there was yeah. uh, when we left, there were two and a half feet on the ground, mm. and and uh, but it, it had stayed very cold. It stayed in oh. you know Fahrenheit. It had stayed down eight to twelve. You know, so there was no yeah. melting. And then it got another powdering and everything turned, you know, beautiful white again. And it was actually the finest stretch of, you know, if you're going to like winter, you like winter that's white and crisp. I know that in the, in the spring and everything, you get all, uh, floppy. It's all slush. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's no good. It's all slush. It's icky. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Toronto is completely locked down as Ontario. Uh Canada. So none of the restaurants are open and you can't, you know, you can't be running your business in person. And yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange. Yeah. It's almost like there's somebody, it's like somebody somewhere in the country. I wonder if we can just stop everything. I wonder Mm -hmm. if it's possible just to stop everything. (laughs) <laughs> and, but that got fifty thousand truck drivers. That's all the excitement. All eyes on, yeah. all eyes on Canada with the truckers. And beautiful fifty thousand trucks in Ottawa. I mean, uh, 
Not, nothing particularly useful goes on their way on to Ottawa, Ottawa right. anyway. Right. I, I, yeah, I, I, no, they're in Ottawa now. Oh no, they're oh they are. They the, made it. Okay. Yeah, the prime minister fled. He has gone to a secret location. Okay. Because he was afraid they were going to come to his neighborhood with their semis. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a crazy time. Well, it's a, it's what happens at the meeting place between Cloudlandia and the mainland. I think that's yeah. what's, that's what's happening. Well, I've got uh, some breaking news from Cloudlandia in the Mr. B the, category again. I, I depend upon this. Yeah. Well, Mr. Beast, just in the last 48 hours here, has launched a new brand called Feastables. And he is launching with three chocolate bars that he is fashioning himself into a sort of Willy Wonka, uh, uh-huh. where the bars are going to come with the chance to win or the chance to come compete for uh, a chocolate factory. <laughs> and the whole, it's very, very Willy Wonka, the way he's doing it. But he, again, using the VCR playbook, is the founder and visionary of the company, partnered with his management team and Reed Duxer from uh, Night Management. They're incubating the the company, the capability of it, and I'm sure I haven't found out yet who, but I know, of course, that they will be, you know, have a manufacturing partner mm-hmm. for that. But what, you know, so, somewhere along the line, you got to make something. Well, that's exactly it, and that's where I, I mean, if you're opera, if you're operating chocolate, somewhere along the line, you actually have to make the chocolate. Yeah. And so somebody's going to make that. They, you know, he was mentioning going through it when they were testing chocolate, you know, like it was, you know, sample after sample, which I'm sure mm-hmm. is people, they probably put out a RFP for, you know, for a manufacturing partner for that mm-hmm. and got all the samples of the kind of bars that they were able to make. So he's made his, selection on the three the three initial flavors and they're yeah launching now and i thought man what an interesting you know there he's, he's up to 89 million people now 89 million subscribers um, mm. mm-hmm. which is just i mean so great when you think about i was thinking about the if we look at the VCR formula, if we look at the vision, capability, and reach, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. being on the reach side of the equation is mm-hmm. the multiplier. That's the yeah. multiplier. It really is. So you think about if you're going to um, invest in any one of those three things if you're making a you're making you're going to build any one of those it feels like building reach building an audience is the thing that has the probably the most profitable 
ROI rather than building capabilities, which are linear. Hmm. You know, that's true. Yeah, because you think yeah, about it. But but it seems to me that seems to me the take away any one of the three though it becomes not yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but you can't. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to focus on one of the factors, right? If you're going to focus on one of the factors, like you're starting now and you're deciding, I'm going to enter Cloudland yet. I'm going to enter the VCR playbook here, and. Mm-hmm you know, developing your capabilities if you're thinking about in in the physical realm is going to be a a limitation because you're dealing with the linear nature of growth. Like in order Mm -hmm. to make more chocolate bars, you have to physically make more chocolate bars in order to sell more chocolate bars you have you know you're making like mr beast is making a video that will go out and maybe very successful if he had eight million subscribers and it's the same amount of work and the same amount of effort and creativity to go into and distribute this idea this video to 8 million people, but distributing it to 80 million people doesn't take any more creative effort. It's a 10 times multiplier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the person who's making the candy bars, making the chocolate bars, has to physically do 10 times more work. To produce 10 times more output, it takes 10 times more chocolate it takes 10 times more paper it takes 10 times more labor to go through that process even though the formula or the the workflow the sop procedure the algorithm is yeah but stable. what ha- what happens uh, but here's the thing what happens if the chocolate isn't any good and the word goes well, that's through the, people that's his exact that was the exact thing that's why he yeah. said he tried so many, you know, to find just the right one mm-hmm. because if he's going to put his name on it and it's not a short-term thing, if he's looking mm-hmm. to build a, a sustainable thing. And one of the things he did was choose, he's got a, he's got some sort of, some sort of a digestive issue. And so this was, <laughs> these were kind of as pure as he gives only four ingredients in them, so they're GI friendly chocolate, mm-hmm. which m- makes a, a big difference as well. But that's exactly the thing: is you have to choose the partner. <clears throat> I mean, Hollywood's a great example. Hollywood, yeah. you know, had a great reach, but you know, I, I mean, I haven't seen an actual movie for three years. No, because it was such crap. It was such crap, you know, that, you know, and so their reach and of course they've lost reach because Netflix has the the big reach. And, but the thing is, you know, it's an interesting thing because I think that there's a dynamic that when after a certain point, quantity doesn't become quality. Right. Agreed. 
Yeah. And often it's an I think there's, yeah, I think that there's a a dynamic. I I mean, I agree, but he's a one-off, you know, I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mr. Beast is one-off. Somebody said, well, I'm going to be like Mr. Beast. Well, you know, sorry, but that one is taken, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's a very interesting thing is that all sorts of new vision and new capability can constantly be developed, but all kinds mm-hmm. of new reach can't be developed. There's reach that you get, and then there's, then we have a word called overreach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Mark Zuckerberg's a good example of that. He has $3 billion nominally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, but there's such negativity now flowing through the system, right? And 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 so he's got three billion. You know, it's a problem. Uh, there's caused uh, problems. So, yeah, I I'm more inclined to believe that you can't separate V from Z from R. You know, that I think that probably it's a unique ability thing. Mm-hmm. You know that has and this is a unique one it's mr beast and his production you know his management company and all the other capabilities that come along they the power is really in the perfect vcr yeah yeah Yeah, that's interesting yeah Yeah, it's interesting it was just an interesting observation that you know you, you think about that often those, especially we're talking about physical goods, you know, physical things. Yeah. That's the, that has to Well, it's really interesting. The book that I mentioned, I think the last one, the, the, the cloud, uh, the cloud revolution by Mm -hmm. Mark, really fascinating. He's making a prediction, the, that the future is going to be about manufacturing, that basically what's happened. And he uses Amazon as kind of a, prototype that the entire economy is going to take the form that what's most important in the entire system are the warehouses. Okay. And so the warehouses are immense, you know, the big warehouses that uh, actually Amazon has one in Phoenix. There is, I think it's their biggest warehouse on the planet where they have to take the curvature of the earth into account. Can you imagine? Uh, because, yeah, you know, because it's, it drops a little from one end of the building to the other. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's the prime area where robots are actually developing. The warehouses are the robots because there's uh-huh. really heavy packages. There's dangerous stuff. So what he says is that the economy is gradually reforming itself where you have hundreds and thousands of large warehouses. Yeah. And then you have manufacturing as a service. Okay. And he Mm -hmm. said that basically manufacturing, you can create all aspects. So if you think of the inputs where you bring the raw materials in, And that would be, you bring the raw materials and there's, you think of that as part of the service of manufacturing is bringing Mm -hmm. the raw materials and they bring products in and the factories and the warehouses more or less become the same thing. You have the, 
you know, you'll have the factories that produce it out, and then it shoots off across the entire network to all the other warehouses. And then you have the delivery services, which are also part of the manufacturing process. So right from the raw material stage, mm-hmm. all through the manufacturing, the warehousing, and the delivery, that's all considered the manufacturing process. You know, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a constant improvement using artificial intelligence and robotics of every stage of that process, and it's competitive. You can actually outsource it like there's people who just become very famous. It's like Mr. Beast with his yeah. Knight, is it called Knight? Well, Knight Media is the company, but yeah, Reed Gutter yeah. is yeah. The, yeah. the guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, that's a who for Mr. Beast. You right, know, that's, that's exactly that's right. Who. So you have all these who not hows from yeah. the raw material stage right to the last 50 mm-hmm. feet of delivery. And and so this is his notion. And the where it really pays off is where you've got a tremendous amount of real estate. So the United States is just the ideal setting for this because you got 3,000 miles to work with work with, you know, and there's people living all along the way across the yeah. 2,000 miles. So, yeah. so he's, he, yeah, he said that we're right on the threshold of this. And it's already happening. One of the things I didn't realize is the big malls, you know, the big indoor yeah. malls, that uh-huh. was, they're being turned into warehouses. Yes, which is great because that's the, you know, just think about the positioning of malls in urban centers. That's really... Well, not only those, that, but they, they, yeah. come, they come with parking. They're completely serviced. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all the servicing is ever done. All you have to do is reconfigure the... Yeah, and they're practically <clears throat> empty. And usually they... And they've got this big central space, you know, and yeah. even the... <clears throat> and the anchor stores are huge and uh, yeah. everything like that. So that's a... You know, it's an interesting world we're going into yeah they're all like within reach of you know big populations it's all a logistics um thing right Mm -hmm. that's uh, distributing things to the and it's been exciting to see just the number of and the the scope now of the home delivery there's you know Mm -hmm. other services now like they've partnered (laughs) They've partnered, Mr. Beast has partnered with a company called GoPuff, which is a home delivery service that Mm -hmm. will go, you know, deliver anything from your town kind of thing, right? More like Postmates Mm -hmm. or not just food. They'll go to the pharmacy or the store or Mm -hmm. the post office or whatever you need. So you imagine, you know, you've got now this growing network of, you know, home, the last mile kind of uh, network of people instantly able to move things around. Our, even in Winter Haven, like I look at Winter Haven as probably, you know, minimum viable urban, you know, suburban level kind of thing, like in a, 30 to 50,000 people off season and 60 or so in, in uh, the peak season with snowbird that, you know, if it can 
work in Winter Haven that you've kind of got some, you, you've got a big runway with something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my thing about when I moved here in 97, that was part of my thought process for picking Starbucks as one of my stocks for the new millennium. And it was a, because in 1999, I was making, I wanted to make a 25 year stock decision. You know, I didn't want to learn about the market. So I chose Berkshire Hathaway. I chose Procter and Gamble and Starbucks. And my thought process with Starbucks was that they just had such a simple duplicatable model that was more stores means more money. And the runway of mm-hmm. opening up stores is, and it's equally easy to to shrink that same way, cut off the, you know, prune it. But the bush, the big thing is going to uh, ultimately be growing. And at that point, we mm-hmm. didn't have a Starbucks. There was no Starbucks in, in Winter Haven. And there was no Starbucks in Georgetown at the time either. And so mm-hmm. those two things led me to believe that you know, because I'd seen in in Georgetown, we had three Tim Hortons that were successful and operating, you know, so I knew that the sustainability of it is, is there, the density that you could have, you know, yeah. and that, that, that played out. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the problem was, uh, you know, I mean, for Starbucks, because I knew the head of uh, marketing for Canada for Starbucks. Really, I forget what his name was. He he was in the program. He he oh, went nice. out and created his. Huh? Nice. Yeah, and uh, he said the thing that they <clears throat> the problem is not that you don't have the customers. The problem is that for Georgetown to get its own Starbucks, you'd have to have. Uh, Hocking Valley. In other words, there would have to be, if you sent out a delivery truck with supplies, right. you would want them to hit about five to 10 yeah. uh, store, stores. So where you have the customers for the one store, it's not it's not economic to supply, to drive 25 miles to right. supply that store. Yeah, yeah. So interesting, but that, you know, now we're getting to where all of the, like we use Grubhub and Uber Eats and DoorDash uh, almost every day here in Winter Haven. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, 95% without incident, 95% like reliable mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. within 30 minutes. Everything is predictable enough that you can rely on it at mealtime. And that, yeah, just created a lot of freedom around that, you know. I imagine now mm-hmm. you start, you think about moving goods and it's God bless that there's people picking that these are the things they want to get involved in. The fact that there are companies that choose to want to be manufacturers of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, that they want to take on that logistics puzzle for people and offer that yeah. as, a, as a service. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's it's a geopolitical decision too. It's not just an economic decision. Is that we've, you know, we got the COVID, you know, the 
put a little bit of scare on who are you depending on 8,000 miles away to mm-hmm. get things that people consider crucial. So my sense is that, you know, it won't go away, but there's lots of stuff that will be deemed as crucial. You can't have any interruption whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And and you can't have somebody saying, you know, for political reasons, we'll withhold from your country what you need. And so my sense is that period of certainly in the United States, that period of history is over. And now it's going to be brought back to the United States. It'll be between It'll be the in the midsection of the, the country. It was very interesting. Intel. This is both. This is both Cloudlandia and Mainland. This is what I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you right here. But Intel has just committed to building the biggest microchip factory in the world in Columbus, Ohio. I heard about that. Yeah, you mentioned that last week. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's happening. That's amazing. And, and it's really interesting. Not on the coast. They're not going to build it on the coast. Right. And the the interesting thing is because the one industry that was disadvantaged by the ship the, the chip shortages was, was the automotive industry. You know, because yeah. any car today, if it's a reasonably you know reasonably you know, it's in above 40,000 or that yeah. probably has a hundred, hundred, 150 chips in it right. that have replaced mechanical parts over the years. Yeah. So they just have mixed. Well, Columbus is, if you draw a circle a thousand miles from Columbus, well, 1,700 miles from Columbus, it's probably 80%, 80 to 85% of the automotive industry in the world, in the United States. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when you the, bi- it, the big thing the, that, that, yeah, tire comp- the tire companies, all the related things too, right? Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, so the thing is that that became very crucial because, you know, all the, the foreign producers of automobiles like China, uh, Japan has outsourced all of its manufacturing that, so all the manufacturing of Toyotas and you know Hondas and all the all those cars that the Japanese do, the factories are in the United States. If the customers are going to be in the United States, the factories are going to be in the United States. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that so that goes for the German automakers too. They're putting all their factories in the United States. Yeah, and that's an interesting. That's it's mobile. Mobile. I, I can't help but think, Dan, as I think now about you know the distinctions, like the impact or the cost or the ROI on vision versus capabilities versus reach. Mm-hmm. As I think mm-hmm. about vision, is probably the one with the most exponential return because it's really the well it's yeah like a new idea like yeah you know i mean it's a completely new new idea and yeah uh, yeah i mean it's interesting because two of the i mean think of a warehouse it's it's a colossal box is what it is right you know yeah and the other thing that changed the world so much was the container box you yeah. know, the, the standard container box, uh, shipping yeah. container box. 
Do you know uh, the actual beginning of that, where that started? I don't. No, it was the Vietnam War, and it was the problem of getting supplies, the Department of Defense, the United oh. States, but getting them into Vietnam because the harbor was too shallow for the big, and so it was just very cumbersome of getting a whole shipload of stuff. So what they could do, though, is build really huge piers. They could Mm -hmm. build huge piers out, and all you were taking off were boxes, uh, container boxes, uniform container, and you could put them on trucks, you know, you could put two of them on a truck, and the whole thing. And so the Department of Defense immediately said, if you if your stuff won't go in a container box, we're not going to buy it. OK. And yeah. that that factor, more than any other factor, made cars smaller. That's interesting. Around the world, yeah. because your car, your car had to fit in a container box. OK. And yeah. So the interesting thing is the vision of oftentimes is an extreme simplification yeah. that makes massive multiplication possible. Yes. Yes, you have to think, you have to build the multi- engineer the multiplication in right at the yeah. vision stage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's an interesting thing when you think about even what Mr. Beast has done now, like chocolate bars are a pretty easy to scale situation. Easy yep. to manufacture, four ingredients, everybody loves it. It's easy to package, easy to ship, low cost, edible, repeatable, consumable. I mean, not uh, non-perishable within reason. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, shelf stable. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Babs has got a box with about 20 bars in it. Right, exactly. Soma, she gets Soma chocolate from Toronto. It's the best 100% chocolate. that uh, I've never even heard of 100%. 100%, yeah. No, I don't think no I've ever sugar. had anything higher than 85. Yeah, yeah. It's on uh, their main places right on King Street, King, King and... Just trying to think here. Canyon Bathurst, you know, just a little bit yeah. east of, a little bit west of Canyon Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Or King, no, Canyon Spadina, right at Canyon Spadina. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and they make it. And uh, Bat, Babs, it's one of those things where you take a, you know, you br- it breaks into pieces and you take a piece. Right. And they tell you, just put it on your tongue and let right. it sit there. And, you know, Earlier attempts at 100%. It didn't. I couldn't tell the difference between 100% chocolate and dirt. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like this, this tastes. This tastes like a barnyard smell. Yeah, but it's actually quite. You get quite used to it after a while, and so she loves it. You know, but you know, things that are not bad for you, you can still get addicted to them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not a crowded marketplace, uh, chocolate. No, exactly. But when he's building in the, he's gamifying it, that it's going to be part of the, you know, every randomly there will be golden tickets inside the chocolate, Mm -hmm. like just like Willy Wonka. Yeah. 
where you get to come and be part of his, you know, production. That's it's 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 like the chocolate lotto, actually. Yeah, I'm starting to see this whole thing, the buffer of where he's got an interesting relationship with what night media does for him as the integrators. That's really it's mm-hmm. closest probably to EOS in a way, like what yeah. <laughs> he's the visionary founder. <laughs> and Reed Duxer is the integrator mm-hmm. of all of this that finds and you know nurtures and builds the support infrastructure for it, you know, and that's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing thing, what he's been able to do. I don't know whether you, you know, his, he started out as a reductor. I'm talking about now he's founded night media. He started out as an, a sports agent as a, you know, he was mm. in, he played football in college, but he was graduated and became a sports agent representing, you know, they were representing some great like retired players as well as uh regular um players so he was he learned the value of reach with these players that were former nfl great mm-hmm. that would still get paid to for their reach basically for their influence for their the weight of their name in yeah. circumstances and when he learned about there was another um, set of YouTube called Dude Perfect, and they would do trick shots and and stuff on the internet and videos of doing stunts and and all these you know amazing things like dropping you know throwing a basketball from the top of football stadium to you know make a basket so they would throw it from the the top of the stadium and film as many times as it took to actually make it through the basket on the field. Yeah, exactly. And they would then, you know, film all of those. And he started helping them out, bringing brand deals to them where they, he would work with Callaway for instance, and do golf trick shots, but it was all Callaway branded content. And you know, start, they would get, you know, big dollars for it because they had big reach. They had at the time, mm-hmm. you know, when he started with them, they had like 5 million subscribers or something, which was unheard of at that time, you know, and now they're of course much more than that, but that's where he learned this model that the kids now his nephews and stuff had no idea who the popular football and baseball players were today. Yeah. But they knew every YouTuber. And that's mm-hmm. the new that's the new celebrity. And so he started taking that uh vision, the model for sports managing sports celebrities and yeah. bringing that kind of infrastructure to these newly minted YouTube celebrities that didn't have a traditional infrastructure. Yeah. You know, there's a really interesting little market marketplace 
contest going on right now with yes. Joe Rogan and I saw that Neil Young. Neil Young, yeah. Yeah. And and so Neil Young I think probably from a political standpoint said that I can't have my music playing on a platform where you're distributing Joe Rogan is giving misinformation that could kill people, you know. Yeah. Uh, about and then so he said so it's either me or it's Joe Rogan and yeah Spotify made Spotify made up their mind real quick and, yeah exactly because uh, Joe Rogan you know has 11 million daily daily listeners yeah and and Neil Young has fewer than that yeah <laughs> but you know who you know who jumped in is making lemonade out of that lemons is serious satellite radio as now they jumped on it and are re- bringing back their Neil Young radio was having a Neil Young channel on Sirius. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, well, I think, it's, it now, I think it's great. Uh, I think yeah. it's great. But what you've done is identified two totally different audiences. That, yes, exactly. You know, like to- two totally different audiences. And, yeah. and it kind of shows you the, you know, the segmentation, you know, t- for the life of me, I don't know if I've ever heard a Neil Young song, you know, oh, in my life. I mean, I had, no, I haven't. I, I he know that is, that's... He's someone who I have you were the foggiest idea. No, well, when I don't you were have any swinging in the 70s and your advertising business and the no, world, nope. Neil Young was. Nope. Really? Nope. Nope. Wow. No. I had to go okay. and read his biography on Wikipedia. Yeah. I said, I have no, I He's have a no Canadian treasure, this. Dan. He's a Canadian um, treasure. You know, he, uh, that yeah, was when. Uh, just, uh, re, just rethink those two words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when Yorkville was the uh, Yorkville was the place in the sixties. That's where they all came from. I arrived in the 70s. I arrived. Yeah. No, but I don't, you know, quite frankly, because it's just not my thing. You know, it's right. kind of like during, during the lockdown period, I've really, you know, really made use of Pandora. I've really, mm-hmm. you know, really, and I just really got into country and Western music. You really? Know? And I was just amazed at the amazing talent that there is. You know, a lot of them are dead. You know, like, but people like, you know, Waylon Jennings, you know, just total, you know, just an amazing and all these, all these people, these phenomenal singers, you know, and everything like that. It's funny you mentioned that. It's got a new, a new friend here in Winter Haven who has just moved here, but he's a country artist. And Uh the reason that was so, he came into the cafe where I go, uh, and he looks, he's like a doppelganger for Ross O'Loughlin, who I know I've introduced mm-hmm. to you, but I yeah. know the long red hair. And, but it, we're, you're having up and coming artists. He's kind of gaining some traction now. He's got some little brand deals as a influencer. And so we're having some interesting conversations about this, you know, reach and the whole, mm. the whole thing. So it's an interesting, yeah. So I'll, we have to watch for him. His name's Ryan Joyce. Is the guy he's on? You see some of those things on YouTube. But yeah, I, it's, I'm interested to see what his take on things is. You know, whether he's 
as an artist or whether he's, you know, thinks about this as a, you know, to think ahead and create music that, you know, maybe has a, a chance of being more successful than, than another choice, for instance, you know, or is it a hundred percent pure in the artistry of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be interesting. Just, I've just had a couple of, you know, interactions, but enough that we're going to, because we just run into each other there. And after the last conversation, he said, you know, let's, we should like, let's plan to come and have a conversation here. Cause either one of us is kind of uh, running on the yeah. thing, but I think he's going to be an interest, interesting guy, you know, to have that kind of, whether you can manufacture, you know, vision capability and reach, whether he's, you know, receptive to, to something like that. Cause I definitely think you can make a big, I think you can make a big difference if you strategically think about what's going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can do it in, you know, what I would say measures, you know, like I've been, you know, just working on the awareness side on, you know, with the books, you know, like we we have the books out there and, you know, we're, you know, we're up to, for the two of them, we're up to about, I think, 350,000 now. Yeah, books and our numbers are really going up in terms of mm-hmm. registration. So last yeah. year was the best, and we started off. I mean, we're starting off January, the best Jan- January in history, and yeah. I think it's a function that there's a a lot of talk about among certain people. You know, I think it's an affiliation. You know, somebody reads a book and they recommend it to two or three other people. And, Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it goes along like that. But the numbers for who, not how are really great because we had a big push at the beginning. There was a lot mm-hmm. of marketing. There was a lot of podcasts. But after about six months, we were working on the next book. And so, but the weekly numbers have remained constant now since That's about great. July of yeah. last year. Every week, the numbers are just about the same. So, uh, this and this is really, you know, this is really a good thing. So there's about probably about uh, five to seven hundred books sold every week. You know? Yeah, and it just it goes like that. And the next one is selling really good too. So so the big thing is that we're only looking for a certain type of person. You know, we're not looking yeah. for a quantity of people. We're looking for. Yeah. Uh, we're looking for a sufficient number of quality people. So I think you have to start with what is your own ultimate personal vision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for, I'm definitely looking for really ambitious, successful outliers. Right. I was looking, it's it's funny you mentioned it, but I've had a nice uh, built text exchange with Ben yesterday. We were catching up. And we're going to get together in the next uh, week or so here. But yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Ben's in free zone now. Hey, there we go. Good. Yeah, yeah, he signed up, so he'll be in. And we have Scott Donald. You know, Scott. Mm-hmm. Happy. Well, that's exciting. Uh, 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, so this year we'll probably get a lot because my deadline approaches for moving on from 10 times. And we've oh, got yeah. four coaches who are getting ready to take over 10 times. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's it's uh, fascinating. And the new program, the Lifetime Extender. So my goal was 100 for December 30 or January 31st. And we're at 90 right now. So. So, yeah, that's yeah, exciting. So, it's, so uh, the whole, yeah, that's exciting that Ben in that free zone. That's great. Yeah, I think he'll contribute a lot. Uh-huh. I do too. Yeah. I love it. All righty. I love it. I love it. So next week we're off and, and you know, I we're, know what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, yeah. I'm going to sit here and reflect. I'm already good. I've already got the. I'm already anchored in my mind. My homing device sits me right here at that time. So I'm going to sit here and this will be, I'm going to do some more uh, thinking about the VCR formula. Because now that's, I'm seeing a lot of the distinctions between vision, the capabilities and reach and realizing which, you know, where, because you can come from either, either way. That's the great thing about it. You can, well, the other, the other thing is that you can be world-class in all three. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, organizationally, you can, yeah, well, basically, I mean, that's kind of the, you know, the USA is kind of like that, you know, like uh, the vision, I mean, they, the greatest national compelling offer in the history of the world, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, there's just, I, I mean, you can't top that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and then the capabilities, massive capability yeah, and the reach, enormous, enormous reach. Yeah. That's it. And aircraft carrier group, greatest combination of vision, capability, and reach in military history. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You think the United States is really far away? We'll just send one of our carrier groups. We'll bring them real close to you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring them real close. That's yeah. the best. I love it. Yeah. You think the U.S. is 5,000 miles away? Dong. Uh, just, Ding just, dong. It's just, <laughs> it's just Here. 10 miles offshore. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. So anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, give Mike and Vivian a big hug for me, and I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.